0: Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I am your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is Brit, the slightly twisted female. She has been working around women's reproductive health and advocacy for breastfeeding and other things concerning women and babies, and she's also been advocating more and more strongly for women's rights as they've been encroached upon by the question of what is woman, and the way that the definition of woman is being changed to accommodate not women. She's a very spirited individual, and I had a lot of fun speaking with her. So without further ado, here is Britt, the slightly twisted female.
1: Since I was in my early 20s, I started off as a community doula where I worked with teen moms, um, you know, moms and a variety of different sort of vulnerable places. And then I became, uh, I worked towards becoming a home birth midwife. I worked in the Philippines at a high volume birth center in Tai Tai Rizal, um, and which we served women in in really abject poverty um, using low tech resources. And so my experience with supporting mothers throughout all births environments, from the hospital to the home to home birth, I know very well, what a woman is you know and i've seen the sort of ideological capture that has already begun to happen amongst birth workers which to me is just so mind-blowing so there was that but what really caused me to start so it was loudon county was the first thing that grabbed my attention from this to this
0: all right let's you let's know? explain that story because there's been sure. recent developments of that and i was never I'm totally cognizant of all of the details of that i know that the story was picked up By the Daily Wire, and it might have been handled a little bit ideologically, but then the left-leaning mainstream media ran with the narrative that it is a right-wing scare uh, event. But what happened...
1: So, and the crazy thing is, is how much that it's not and how much it's been, you know, verified. So basically there was a a non-binary or gender fluid student, uh, who had been in one school district and was expelled from that district for sexually abusing a female, uh, peer. And, you know, I think on school grounds as well, I believe. And so it was a very hush hush. Sort of thing, and they shuttled him kind of quietly, you know, shuttled him to another school district with no, you know, notification of the community uh, of what had happened. And around, uh, around this time, the school board had voted to make the bathrooms gender fluid, um, so that
0: is do they, they have special have- cus- custodians to mop up all that gender fluid? <laughs> all right.
1: I, I would hope so. I, I hope so. Do you get
0: hazard pay if you have to deal with gender? <laughs> <blue>? <laughs> oh God. I don't
1: know. This is like where we are. It really is. It's where we are. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's like ridiculous as it is dystopian as it is. There was a 15 year old child, a, a girl who was cornered by this other student who we now know has a history of, you know, sexual like a, a conviction whatever that means a conviction amongst like the school community was determined that it happened was expelled from school cornered this girl who he now has access to the bathroom and this is the one thing that they said you know, never happens will never happen it's you know it's it's hysteria um cornered the girl and and not only sexually assaulted her sodomized her i mean raped her you know like in the anus and which is horrifying, is dangerous. It can cause internal bleeding to the point that it require serious needing serious immediate medical intervention um, yeah. and can lead to really like long term dysfunction. And so the school sub actually, no, I'm sorry, they subsequently voted to solidify the gender fluid bathrooms. And that was what was so horrifying. This happened. They knew about it. There was a cover up. And it wasn't until the Daily Wire picked it up that anybody was paying attention to. And this is why Matt Walsh had gone and spoke before the board. And they tried to make they knew it was coming. They tried to change all of their requirements about who was allowed to speak in the board. It had to be a resident. So that's when he went and rented a house or he rented a basement from some grandmother to get residency. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I'm a new, you know, I'm." new Loudoun County resident, you know, so glad for you guys to have me. Can't wait to speak. so then they changed the comment period to 60 seconds. So he had 60 seconds. So he had prepared it, blasted through it in 60 seconds, still followed through. They did everything they could to make sure this didn't happen. The girl's father showed up to one of these school board meetings. I mean, rightfully in a rage as any father should be. I mean, the amount of fathers that we have standing idly by is, is to me so remarkable um in a rage it it, they called in I guess the police or whoever guards you know there was a scuffle he ended up you know getting his head hit was bleeding and there's these images of him being pulled out and his shirt's being pulled up and he's clearly just enraged and the way that the leftist media portrayed this was that this was a right-wing father this is no this was a right-wing man in the community acting as if it was just some random resident who came to oppose these new transgender bathrooms and he was just so overcome with hatred and he had to be removed not to mention this is a girl's father who if that was my child my god i mean my god who wouldn't who wouldn't be, be you'd have to drag us all out and the fact that there are any parents, you know, who would just wouldn't have that kind of a reaction. And the fact that the gaslight this family, they tried to sweep it under the rug. They st- just just to spit in this girl's face and let her know that not only are we not going to keep you safe, but we're going to actively act against your safety. they the, after this has already happened, it's it had already happened when they went and voted on making this you know an official school policy where all the bathrooms are gender fluid yeah. and it was like you know it was just such a, uh, a you know a inconvenient thing that she had happened to be sodomized you know forcefully raped in a bathroom so he was hmm. then i guess found guilty um and, and i don't know this what the status kid. is now yeah yeah and you know another crazy thing is too when this first came out there were a ton of photos of this kid posing in front of i think either a trans flag or or he was in uh, posing in front of like the you know inclusion flag that has like yeah. the rainbow with the like whatever and he was wearing um like a schoolgirl outfit clearly yeah. like fetish gear um just like your quintessential you know early autogonophile and after a while, that's that when I went to go do a video on this, I couldn't find that photo anywhere. It had been like scrubbed from every news outlet, it was just gone. You could not find the fact that oh, yeah.
0: underage. I'm sure they got uh, yeah. Flagged.
1: I mean, they had his face, so from the beginning, they would had his face blurred out. Okay but uh, you also i also noticed that all of the titles have been changed to remove the fact that he was gender fluid anything having to do with a sort of transgender identity oh at cool all.
0: okay right on okay, okay. Which, so you which can is be terrifying. you can be gender fluid and nobody can question that but as soon as you shoot up a nightclub or, or sodomize a teenager then you have to go back to being male that's that's right. where we draw right. the line okay
1: right you, like, or or rape your fair. mother like Chris Chan, you know, Chris went from, you know, Christine to Chris real quick after he was arrested for, you know, raping his own biological mother, um, which is just and then it's always like, well, you can't, you know, we, we could pick out any example of cis people doing similar things. And the point is, is that these are policies that enabled this. That's the point. Um, okay. you know, it's the same thing with the Marshall and Harvey thing with the, the, you know, 80 year old man who had killed three different women across his life was continuously being paroled out only to kill more women and then was being treated, you know, as a woman and then being placed in women's prisons. It's, it's really stunning. So,
0: so you, you were scanning the news, you're, you're, are you semi internet? active? Are you hyper online? What's your, what's your, uh, kind of predilection? You're, you're going around like uh, delivering and facilitating the delivery of human beings out of the wombs of mothers and right. checking your Twitter feed every once in a while. And you see the story or what, how do you.
1: So when I really started to become more active, I, I had always had blogs. I had blogs related to midwifery and motherhood breastfeeding. Um, I am a New York Department of Health certified breastfeeding educator. I'm a New York Department of Health certified breastfeeding educator trainer. So I train other breastfeeding educators. Do
0: you guys get medals uh, for this? Like La Leche League, like little booby pigs? I pens? have
1: like a certificate. Okay, that's cool. You should have it on your wall <laughs> next to all
0: your signs. Yeah.
1: No, I should. I should actually bring a lot of that stuff out. Um, you know, so I was always making, um, I, I had already had. Uh, some activist background. For example, one thing that we really worked on and something that Angela Stanton King solidified for us was banning the shackling of pregnant women, birthing women, um, incarcerated birthing women. So there was this practice of women who were incarcerated shackling their hands and feet and basically tying them down to the bed. So that was something that, which is horrific. but. I had found out, and as I was paying attention to the sort of news on where we were getting with that, um, it was actually under Donald Trump that he signed the executive order in a bundle of what was one of the most significant pieces of, you know, executive orders to um, to change our policies on criminal justice reform. And I was like, "Wow, okay, wow, that's amazing." And that's when I actually started. And this may be unpopular, but that's when I started paying more attention. to was like, "Why isn't this being talked about in the media?" All we're hearing about is I cried. Okay, and like full disclosure, I, I and I'm so it's so cringe, but I literally cried in 2016 when, you know, uh, Trump was elected. And I was like, "Oh God!" And I was so ideologically captured by so many things. Hmm. But that was the first thing that made me realize. I was like, "Wait, this is this is something we had worked on for years." And I was like, "This is this is massive." And I was like, so taken by it emotionally. And I I'd supported women, incarcerated women, as a dual. I would supported women in all you know phases of just difficulty in their lives who were welcoming children, were trying to help them get off to a good start. And I said, like, "Why are we not talking about some of these great things?" And i started to look more into this executive order that he signed and it was like the first time in in decades in really modern history that we had you know he stemmed some he he finally put an end to the crack the cocaine disparity laws the difference in um Mm -hmm. sentencing for crack versus cocaine you know something that had destroyed black families in the black community in the 80s and had really targeted mothers you know a lot of single mothers who were struggling to support their kids. And it was just, you know, it, as maladapted as it is, it was still a coping technique to just handle the stressors of poverty, of motherhood, because we don't support our moms anymore. Huh. And I just discovered so many things and I'm like, we're not talking Then I was like, what's going on? So as I started paying more attention, then it was the even before the Hunter Biden laptop happened, I was paying attention to what was going on with him and Burisma. And I was like, "This isn't. This is scary, because we already know that China is trying to challenge us and, and sort of take over like hegemonial power. So why are are there all these shady, you know, backdoor deals happening with these officials in our government? So I I, re- I posted about it, and I'd started a um, Instagram, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna post about it. I've already lost so many friends on my regular Instagram for posting about it. Let me just make like a separate one that's like for this sort of stuff." <laughs> And I had gotten a lot of followers as soon as I posted about that. My following tanked, my uh, all of a sudden, my stats tanked. I was clearly being shadow banned, I was getting posts removed like crazy. And I was like, What the hell? It's scary,
0: okay? It's just what's this Burma thing?
1: I the Burisma, Burisma so uh, yeah, so it's like it's basically a president Biden had used his sort of foreign connections to place his son at the head of a major international corporation um I think God I God, I can't remember which uh what okay. country
0: was it this in it the is. East or in the uh Eastern it's Europe. like Middle East okay.
1: yeah like Eastern Europe yeah and um it was a major conflict of interest you know and and i mean we know hunter Biden. i actually went to school with caroline biden who is joe biden's niece um she was a year ahead of me she was like in my friend group and it's funny because i actually didn't realize that was his i was like oh oh like oh god that's his niece i don't know why like it never clicked my friend where it's like yeah and i was like oh ew So she was really close with Hunter, but it's like, he is so clearly not qualified. And it was like, he was just this sort of scumbag and and all of it was, you know, validated when the whole uh, laptop came out.
0: Okay. but So you you picked up on that and had you been like, what's your political, like before then, are you, are you kind of just into international politics or what, what was your tastes before? Yeah. So
1: I graduated from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, and I had a double major in electronic and time based media. So um, I was doing a lot of like animation, 3D modeling, um, you know, web design video editing things like that and then i had my other was international relations and i I had a concentration in latin america and spanish-speaking countries um you know and i've just always been interested like i lived in peru for uh, a year and a half you know i spent the summer in the amazon traveling um uh, you know and again i lived in the philippines for a year with my family i was actually pregnant and i was working at that high volume birth center um you know, and it's just always interesting to see how, like globalization and global politics and just, you know, all these things are, are sort of connected, which continues to be true with this trans thing. Um, you know, if we look at, so, so that, that is sort of, you know, my background and my interest. Um, and, um, God, what was I saying before with the, uh, so, yeah so when i shared that and i had this little account get you know told i was like okay there's just something weird like clearly the narrative here is being so curated i'm not even allowed to discuss things that are that are reasonable that are i think of of you know national and international importance why would i not be allowed i mean this is an election year my god we should know this stuff and that's when i started to tune in and i was like ah. To the point where I'm like, I don't trust now any mainstream media. Um, I'm I'm scared at what the internet is becoming. I mean, I'm 34 years old. I was born in 1988. I grew up. I never had a TV in my room, but I had a computer. And I always talk about this. I think a lot of people my age can remember a time when it was like before Internet 2.0. It was before a lot of the major infrastructure of the internet. Yeah. And you know, we had these forums and chat communities and things like that. And it was really like a wild west. It was like you know, a new frontier um, yeah. with very little infrastructure.
0: Well, and what were you like, doing as a teenager on the internet? Were you playing like little Pokemon games, or, or like, doing like doing <laughs> makeup forums, or something? I don't mean to type you at all. I'm just
1: no. I don't even know. I was. I used to be on um, against me was this like punk rock band out of Gainesville, Florida.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: And they used to have a. Um, like a forum that i was very active on it was just like us arguing about politics and stuff like okay. that
0: okay yeah okay so a lot of text-based argumentation kind of stuff yeah okay yeah yeah
1: you know like yeah. kiwi farms type stuff almost but i mean without you know ex- Exposing well, people, there wasn't whatever. as
0: much media to dig up on different people to expose.
1: Right, I remember, point. and I remember MySpace. I remember Jeffrey Star. I used to follow Jeffrey Star on MySpace like way early, on it's funny watching some of these personalities like continue and if, having seen them grow over like I mean, you know, almost two decades um yeah 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 okay yeah. so but we could talk about anything yeah I mean yeah. it was a dangerous place I mean you get dragged you're getting dragged okay. you know what I mean were you ever
0: you're, uh gr- any sort of grooming or weirdness in that direction
1: oh yeah I mean I always had like you know I God, I remember being like 13 and I was talk. I was talking to some like 27 year old like marine oh. who like took me on a date one time oh. I was like 13. yeah it was weird <laughs> like I look back now I was like, I did. like what the hell? You're and I was a like, what oh, are like, weirdo. Girl. And I told him though. And he's like, Oh, you should have told me sooner. And I was like, Yeah, you know, he's like, well, we'll just have to not tell anybody. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> You know, um, but I like survived it huh. a lot of it.
0: Thank God. Or were you <laughs> at all? Uh, did you have any? Uh, I, I speak to a lot of women, um, and specifically detransitioners and uh, people who have difficulty navigating female puberty. Were you fine with that? And that? Yeah, part of I
1: always okay. loved being a woman. That's the oh, thing. Really? I loved okay. being a woman. I loved it. You know, I've never had those issues. But things that I had, I mean, I had dealt with. Uh, I it's funny if like i was just showing a picture of my to my friend i was like this was me in seventh grade and then this was me in eighth grade and it was like i went from being like a dumpy little kid to like looking like i was like 22. oh wow you know and it was this like really shock of like getting all this attention suddenly from like grown men you know how did you deal with that
0: was that cool was it fun
1: Uh, no i mean it was cool at the time but not really because i just got a lot of like unwanted attention and yeah. i started to really like think that it was important to get that kind of attention okay. you know yeah. i was like well this makes me cool you know what i mean and it, it just like i was always like i said before i was always kind of like i liked the internet and i liked you know school i always did well in school and it just sort of like shifted my focus a lot luckily i still did you know i still did well in school but it it was just
0: weird and then how did you get into birthing the birthing industry what what industry i mean that like a profession like what drew you that yeah the birth world how what was your gravitational path into the birth world
1: so i had my first son so i got pregnant my last semester in college um and so i 23 24 yeah i was like i was 22 i gave birth at 23 so you know i got we got married my husband was just like super smart super autistic math guy he had a really interesting path he like you know was dominican grew up in like a in newark in like a really low income area and was identified as being really uh, exceptional at math and had gotten like a full ride scholarship to a private high school and a full ride scholarship to Carnegie Mellon, where he studied math finance, graduated like magna cum laude. And we worked on wall street afterwards. Oh, wow. So yeah. So we moved to Jersey city and that was when we bought our first property. And, um, so I had my son and I was working for something called video art.net. It was like a video art, fine art. Uh, Galleria and we did a yearly international film festival or video festival in Tribeca, New York and we would invite people we had really cool applicants we had this one woman from Iran who had sent in work and you know we had to really like protect her identity because what she was doing was illegal Um, but I when I gave birth to my son I was like this is this was it (laughs) it was just so like i felt like this is like one supposed to be like one of the greatest rates of passages of my life and i i labored at home for a long time and by the time i came in i was already eight centimeters and anybody who understands like the anatomy and physiology of birth you have to dilate from you know zero where your cervix is closed and like you have like a mucus plug to keep bacteria from getting into your uterus to 10. So I was like very, I was like nearing, you know, transition where I could begin pushing. And I was like, oh, and they'll go, wow, you did great. I was like, great. And then I stalled out for like five hours.
0: Stalled out. And
1: so my, my, I just, my, my, I stopped progressing. My, my uterus stopped contracting. Do you think
0: it's because of the change of environment, the attention that you were getting? Okay.
1: I know it was, I know it was because what I now know is cortisol and stress will block oxytocin, and oxytocin is necessary for uterine contractions. Yeah. And and that's another thing that draws me to the whole trans thing because I understand, you know, our, how much our endocrinology is so critical to our our health, our well being. I mean, through birth, through all phases of our lives, and yeah. to be disrupting that yeah. with sixteen year
0: olds. <laughs> Well, I the just wrapping here if you don't care about birth or if society makes being pregnant or having kids something that's kind of taboo in a way. We went from like making teen pregnancy a taboo to just like birth itself is kind of a low grade thing. Classy right. people don't do that, right? It's right. It's not really an important part of life. It's just something that you have to deal with eventually if you want to, right? It's something that you opt in later. So with the background of childbearing, not really promoted or honored, I would even say, then you can go and make all these leaps into uh, wh- why not just take this part out and put these other parts
1: it's the reason why we're here it's very much the reason why we're here in 19 so a lot of people need to understand the history of like the birthing industry like you had already said it it is an industry it prior to 1930s where the vast majority of Americans lived on farms um, we grew up seeing sheep cattle horses giving birth we knew what it looked like from the time that we were little children we would assist with it we saw cows, you know, uh, nursing their young, you know, we, we knew what that process looked like. We knew how long it took to wean, you know, a baby calf or a baby horse or a pig, you know, and, and prior, prior to the 1930s, the vast, vast majority of births, virtually all of them were done at home with midwives. Um, usually at a community midwife, it, you were surrounded by women. Typically, men weren't involved—not even the father. Sometimes, sometimes maybe yes, but it was very much like a, a with woman experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We grew up seeing our mothers give birth. We grew up seeing our sisters, our aunts. After 19, in the 1930s, is around the time that obstetrics and gynecology became yeah. a, a, a area of interest for male physicians. Yeah. And we saw a really horrifying period of time where, I mean, within like, I mean, within like a five year, less than a decade, we saw virtually all of Americans go from birthing at home to birthing in the hospital. Okay. So now, and we came off of farms, we stopped farming, right? Yeah. You know, where farms became industrialized, we started moving towards industry. Um, And And correspondingly, was there a
0: drop in uh, infant mortality and um, mother fatality over the course of that transition?
1: So, yes, yes, and no. So, So just
0: just proposing that there's a trade-off. Yes and no. Yeah. Okay.
1: So there have I mean we've seen things like like bacterial meningitis is something that happened because we moved to the hospital um you know we saw an explosion and and to be clear this is you know cesarean birth is an absolutely life-saving critical development and that's what you know really changed the game and being able to save babies that otherwise would have struggled to be born naturally however there is a balance between an over medicalization of birth and an under medicalization of birth and having supported families in the philippines where there's a lack of access um i've seen women having to go through childbirth needing access to stuff and they would have been turned away at the hospital we had to use low-tech interventions, but they needed those interventions on the other hand i've seen perfectly healthy labors that I knew were normal, that were intervened and tampered with. And yep. this is in North Jersey, in you know one of the places with some of the highest cesarean rates—sixty, 60, 70 percent of all births are being born via cesarean, which what? is cutting your uterus current. Yeah, and, and it's, it becomes like a conveyor belt, and it, it's easy because then you know doctors can schedule it; they can do one after another. You know, birth takes time, labor yeah. takes time. Yeah. You know, and when we're birthing in a hospital, like I said, you know, imagine taking a birthing animal and taking them out of the nest that they had created for the full, you know, duration of their gestational period. The
0: driving them at top speed through uh, city traffic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Screaming, going in the face. But, all right. Hey, well, okay. So what is your name? Okay, your last, your last menstrual period, honey, honey, can, I, I know it hurts. I know it hurts, honey, but come on, try, try to pay attention. Okay, just breathe through this one. Then we got to get back to these questions. And you're just like, what the fuck? And it's just like, can my, my, can my husband do this? And then it's like, somebody's like, okay, we need, we need to do your, well, we need a quick, just way you went, when is the last time you had a kid? I'm like, and they're all like yelling at you. There's lights like, all right, we're going to get you in this one. And then they're like, here, hold still, hold still. We need to put this IV in you. And I'm like, can I just drink water? No, no, you can, no water an orphan, ah, 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 like, you know what I mean? They're talking to you like you're stupid. They talk to you like you're a baby. Yeah. You know, you you have someone who's nasty to you. It's, it, it becomes this like really, ner- even if they're wonderful, at the end of the day, we're still animals. There's still something inside of us saying, these are strangers.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm very vulnerable right now. Yeah. And it's actually, the that, that's an important function that we're able to stop labor when we have stress hormones because yeah. that's a, our body saying we need to put this on pause. Because there's something going on, this needs to stop. Because you're about to be the most vulnerable you'll ever be once you push that baby out. And so let's pause this. It's true, if you walk in the woods and you come across a a deer that's laboring, even if the baby has already begun, if the head has already begun to come out, they they have this um, function where if they get flooded with stress hormones, the uterus will actually pull the baby back in and give them time to get away from you. We're not. It's it's this belief that we're somehow separate from our animalistic bodies. Yeah. They. Co- Sorry, I'll stop tapping. On that we're somehow you know not. You know we're we're able to somehow like technol like use our technology to separate ourselves from our you know animalistic bodies that that is causes this weird disconnect where we don't understand. We can't mess with stuff and assume it's going to be all good. And birth is so similar to the trans thing. And this is where I was able to like very readily see the connection from listening to detransitioners. I know the, the orchestra of hormones in childbirth is so complex. It is not something that we can recreate. It is something that our bodies have developed for hundreds of thousands of years to perfect, you know, and when you interrupt, even one piece of that, a cascade begins to happen. Right? So even something that seems as benign as, oh, I don't know, hooking a mom up to a monitor. Well, that's not really doing much right. But now you're restricting her movement. Okay, now she can only go as far as whatever the monitors are gonna allow. And a lot of times you're trying to move or whatever, they are come, oh, sorry, honey, we hear the beep, we gotta we got fix this, try to stay. You can move around, but just try not to go too far from the, oh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, my bad. We have developed to have huge heads. We cannot just sit and push a baby out. We must move and rotate and allow this corkscrew motion for the baby to come out. So now we're not able to really move. Now the baby's showing, ah, some weird you know fetal heart rate patterns because the reality the baby's getting a little bit stuck and we can't move to allow that baby to move so now they're saying all right well you know we don't have to do too much let's just move this along a little bit how about we do an arom an artificial rupture of the membranes which is they take a little pierce hook and they'll break your bag of water you know and that's supposed to that once you know the baby's head you know uh presses down on the cervix that can help the cervix begin to open up more yeah well what if the baby's head is a little bit asynclinic? What if it's moved weird? What if the, you know, you can't always see, what if the umbilical cord gets pinched a little bit, but you can't see that right away. But now the baby's not being oxygenated quite as well as they were. There's nothing you could, before it was water to allow that, you know, that cord to move out of the way. Now you've kind of forced it. Now it's against the uterus. Now it's against your, you know, uh, pelvic, you know, bones. Now you have a little bit of a pinch, not so much that it's causing, you know, a catastrophe, but enough that it's like, ah, the baby's not as happy as it was before. You're still laboring, laboring. Now it's starting to hurt because the baby is a little bit stuck. It's coming down a little bit, but it's not able to rotate as well as it was before. And if you were able to really move. So now they're saying, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to put a little bag of Pitocin in your IV. It's just going to help you. Pitocin is the synthetic form of oxytocin, which is necessary to create contractions. The problem with Pitocin, much like exogenous hormones with trans, trans identified people is that, yes, we can get, you know, what is a, a biologically identical you know form of it. But for some reason, it doesn't. Work on our body is the same as when we make it ourselves. Yeah. Our body is able to titrate it appropriately and properly. When we put it, when we you know have this exogenous synthetic form, it's now creating uh, contractions that are you know five times stronger than what our body would naturally do, and there's no ebb and flow. Right, You're just having this continuous hardcore dose of a synthetic Pitocin. So now you have your, your uterus is just jamming this baby down because you have to think a uterus has like a band. It pushes it down, right? Okay. Jamming the baby down. The thing is pe- like pinching even more. The baby is now getting stressed out, right? You're in a lot of pain because the baby can't properly rotate. And now you're like, please God, make this. I need this to stop. They're like, all right, we're going to give you an epidural to help ease the pain. And maybe that'll help bring baby's heart rate down. So now you're epiduralized and you're laying on your back in a bed. Now you can't move at all to assist the baby. Now the baby's totally stuck in that position. You got to hope that whatever hardcore, you know, contractions you are is going to push that baby out. You're sitting supine. And we know when you're supine, women's pelvises are very cartilaginous and we have a lot of more joints than than males do and it's so that we can open and, and expand to allow our babies to open it's also the reason why estrogen makes our joints so uh kind of loose Boingy, yeah, and that's okay. why we're prone to falling but you're laying on your back the tailbone's pushing up and it's now closing the pelvic outlet right baby's trying to come out, but they're seeing a lot of weird molding and stuff. And they're like, you know, we're just not comfortable with this. We're gonna give it a little while longer. But if, you know, these fetal heart tones don't look better, we're gonna have to, now, you know, you've been laboring for a while, you're on your back, you can't move, you're epiduralized, you've got Pitocin. They're gonna add more Pitocin to see what they can do. The baby's cord is pinched. Now, all of a sudden, the baby's heart rate is starting to crash out. And they're like, you know, we i'm sorry we try to we try to do what we could with the best with this but this isn't looking good we got to get you to the or and before you need them there everybody's coming in and, and telling you all this stuff you got lab coats are making it seem like this big emergency You're like oh my god yeah of course please oh my, my baby's not okay yeah like oh please any like anything like what's happening they're like it's gonna be okay we're just gonna have to prepare uh, prepare the or we're we're gonna have to go in for a c-section they cut you open all of those drugs now interfere with prolactin and oxytocin, which are, you know, the maternal bonding hormones and the hormones that allow your uh, breast milk to come in. But thank God, thank God, because we saved your baby, right? Okay. We, well, thank God. But did we really save your baby? Or do we fuck with some, I'm sorry, do we mess with something that maybe we shouldn't have messed with? And again, that's not to say that these interventions are always bad. Yeah. But when we're using them routinely, I say all this to say
0: 70, 60, 70 percent in New Jersey in
1: certain parts. It, It depends on the hospital. So we we had gotten a federal grant to provide community doula services so that we could try to get a hold of some of these insane statistics. So Meadowlands Hospital was one. I had a few teenage clients. The treatment that I saw of these women was horrifying. It was really, really horrifying and scary. Can I pause for a second? My yeah, dog sure. got
0: out. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I need fine.
1: to put him back in his thing.
0: Okay, sure. Okay, I'm back. All right, all right. All so right. we, uh, so in the 30s, we switched from uh, being closer to nature, and then there was this mm-hmm. Great Depression thing, but this escalation of the industrialization of birth giving. And right. then World War Two launches out, and we get hyper uh, high on the fumes of our own technological ingenuity. What happens in right. the 50s and 60s and stuff?
1: Right. So in the 60s, one of the biggest <laughs> developments that we had, so, you know, we have first wave feminists. So we're going from a feminist perspective. We have first okay. wave feminists with feminism, which was about, uh, you know, the early industrial revolution, which is about uh, securing the right to vote, women's suffrage for women. Right. And then once that was won, then it was just sort of like feminism kind of just like cooled off there, you know, felt like, okay, we had gotten this big thing. So, as you mentioned, then World War Two happens and, you know, we have uh, a lot of men and uh, boys being sent off to fight in the war. Well, what happens is, I mean, as you know, we have tons of industry that is needed and necessary to continue to produce so that we can support the war effort. So now we have. um what is the i can do it the um
0: yeah 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 the, the worker
1: yeah annie or or whatever um uh, yeah. so you know now we have this big campaign to get women who had been traditionally in these you know at home right yeah. to get them to join uh industry to get them in jobs factory jobs you know we can do it and th- this was supposed to be temporary this was supposed to be just you know to fill in until you know the men come home well around during this time the birth control pill was developed in the 60s so for the first time and I I really believe it's because now all of a sudden we had women in industry I think that's what really made you know uh it became men started to have an interest now to have this birth control pill because you know we don't want to keep losing our workers to keep getting pregnant let's develop the birth control pill you know all the men started to come home but a lot of women were not too keen now on going right back home. Yeah. I mean, for the first time in their lives, they had some financial independence. Yeah. They weren't having to ask their husbands husbands for an allowance, um, and they could uh, control their own fertility. You know, I so said, "No, we don't. We don't. We don't want to rush back home to cooking and cleaning and raising kids. You know, we maybe we don't even want to have kids. You know, or or if we do, we want to be able to do things first. You know, so it was this first time that women felt so that's when the second wave really started. So it was about um, the second wave, and that's actually where the split between radical feminism and liberal feminism happened. Whereas liberal feminism was about we want equality with men, right? The- radical feminism is we want liberation from men so we don't want to just be equal and that's why and if you see that from that perspective you can see why liberal feminism eventually allied itself with this transgender movement the trans women are women idea because if men and women are equal then it's not too far off from being interchangeable
0: yeah, yeah right yeah and gender is a social construct works in with that so but with right. regard to radical feminism what do you mean by liberation It's, it's weird. There's these terms. So liberal feminism is about equality, but radical feminism is about liberation. So liberation in what respect?
1: So originally, and you know, to be clear, I'm not, I don't classify myself as anything. This is just talking about from like a historical perspective. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm influenced by radical feminism. I'm, you know, uh, informed by it. I don't consider myself a radical feminist. Um, just because I don't like the way that they deal with mothers. I don't like the way that they deal with families in general. Um, But so radical feminists really focused on abortion access. So when they say liberation from men, it's abortion access. It's access to birth control. It's liberation from us as sort of almost chattels, you know, reprodu like reproduction brood mares, right yeah. you know and also uh liberation from marriage it's it, you know we don't have to be married you know it used to be that women were like the de, pra- de facto property of men so you were the title of you was handed from father to husband yeah you know and they wanted to just break out of that entirely that construct entirely they really focused on abortion access whereas liberal feminists and liberal feminists have done good things i mean i think it's so easy now it's like we, we see them as like a pro okay. pro pornography sex work all this sort of thing yeah but liberal feminists focused on equality in the workforce getting women uh you know equal pay things like that yeah. but it was this split um uh, wow.
0: so isn't isn't it kind of problematic i know this is i'm 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 uh, every word is a possible cancellation of me but and, <laughs> and i've just got through a cancellation i need to only have them every 3 months but isn't <laughs> isn't the focus on i just again if you start to enshrine abortion As a goal, it becomes a sacred thing. And then that changes your relationship to your power, your reproductive power, right? You start to see all of it. You start to see yourself living in the shadow of your reproductive uh, capacity rather than living in the light of that reproductive capacity. And then everything is a transaction of consent. Does that not? lead to one consenting to not be a woman anymore trying to figure out a way to i didn't consent to be a woman i was assigned right. female at birth i was right. society molded me this way and then figuring out ways over a couple of generations to try to pretend that you're not a woman anymore because the, and, and even to be afraid of the reproductive capacity, um, to be uh, afraid or not have the wisdom, the cl- communal wisdom of dealing with the difficulties of menstrual cycles, the difficulties of, uh, you know, all the different things that come with being a biological female. Right. Doesn't it all yeah. kind of like lead up and
1: no, to where abs- we are. That, and here? that's exactly, that's exactly the point that I was getting at. You're, they're absolutely right. And exactly what you had said before, there is this sort of. You know we we had moved from a reverence around motherhood and mothers is now they're they're a burden they're they're a, a societal um liability you know oh jesus christ you know what i mean as you know getting pregnant you know what i mean like you know, what are we going to do? Oh, do we really want to hire these women who are of, you know, saying that they want to start a family or it's, oh, if you get hired, don't say that, you know, you're interested in starting a family. Don't say that you're trying to conceive, you know, that's a big problem. And, you know, oh, what is she going to end up on food stamps? You know, and it's this collective sort of like eye roll of like, you know, oh God, really another a like, you know, problem. baby yeah. shower. Like that's your problem. That's not you guys. So if you want to have baby, fine, but you figure it out, you know, and again, and we're marketing motherhood to women as now it's this sort of like you know well you have this chance of freedom and this free wonderful life and you know why would you choose slavery i mean it's de facto slavery you know and yeah. you go what it would be a broodmare for some man and, you know, and, how and, and if you do make
0: year? it big enough you can just uh hire hire somebody from third world country to to do the actual labor part to be you, a surrogate. Just, you just like pop the egg in them you don't have to worry about it anymore
1: exactly you can hire a surrogate because it's so such low labor it's such low work you know it's such lowly work you know and again it's it's also this hatred for ourselves as uh, our just as biological beings like it's this disgust with our bodily functions this is disgust with breastfeeding you know breastfeeding which really is one of the most wholesome things to do it openly i had a whole issue where i we raised hell i was with um a, a good girlfriend of mine who had been through so much trauma and i was working with her in establishing a healthy breastfeeding relationship and she you know her boyfriend was this big alcoholic and he had left is this horrible thing and i was like one thing that we can do and we know that improves outcomes is uh, a successful breastfeeding relationship and i had them come in like we were at the uh we were at the pool and she was just hang- we were hanging out she was just nursing her baby and like the lifeguard came over and was like oh i'm so sorry can you we can't have you guys doing that here i was like i'm, so- I'm sorry doing what well you know you can't you there's children here and i'm like hmm yes well that's good that's good maybe these kids will see that women's breasts aren't uh, a sex object oh yeah
0: yeah
1: I mean they see him all the time right but they see him in these brasiers and these bustiers, you know and they see him in these you know sexually subjective things maybe it'll be a good thing for them to see that hey you know what women's bodies are more than just you know a sexual play thing for men maybe it's good to say hey wow they actually have a purpose and that person purpose is wholesome and it's about bonding with babies I was like in fact we're gonna come and do it every day now and I'm gonna have more women come and I was like can I talk to your manager <laughs> <laughs> and it was like <laughs> i was like oh and i was so funny because i just looked i like looked at i was like oh you said that's the wrong uh, one <laughs> i was like because I, I like that's like what i do i like yeah. know the laws i know our rights i know that you just really put your job in jeopardy and wow, this okay. is gonna be
0: <laughs> i do i do have to admit going back to what you're saying about uh being not disgusted with the body, but it, it's kind of perturbing when you're going through the whole thing about the baby and the impacting and stuff. It's just so crazy. These mucous membranes and these yeah. tube things that are grass. It's just, it always kind of it doesn't horrify me, but I'm always kind of like, what is a lot of fluids mystery <laughs> thing that is totally alien to my experience? You know, maybe that's yeah. my mental thinking, or maybe it's just because I'm kind of boxed away in this sanitized world of. Well, and sounds well, we, and you and
1: would have seen it and that's the thing you know had you been born a century ago it would have been so just a normal occurrence of the home you know oh yeah. you know labor is happening you see all the women gathering you know what's happening yeah. you know and I remember when I was working in the Philippines uh, my son was two and a half and I was pregnant um we, the children used to sit in on the births. We used oh, to have really? a, a little kids with sometimes, you know, cause we always had all the midwives. It was very family oriented and that we would always bring our kids with us to the birth center. And I lived on campus at the birth center. So our kids were always going in and out and stuff. And, you know, um, and, and the women were so, I mean, obviously we always had permission, but they were like, oh yeah, yeah. The kids are cute. You know, and the kids would come and see, I mean, my, my son has seen, you know, babies being born before he was, you know, five. He saw so many. You know, I always breastfed openly in front of my children. Huh. You know, and it was never a question about what my body, what our bodies were for. As well.
0: would it be cool if if we took kids to live birth rather than drag shows?
1: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Exactly. And 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 imagine the like response. That would be so taboo and disgusting and horrible. You know, but like again, it's okay when women are these like you yeah, know and, and uh, excellent it calls them sex clowns the the drag queens and it's so true they are they're sex clowns versus you know this wholesome experience that is so natural that it's so important even for not just for little girls but for little boys to grow up and seeing that you know this is this is what women's bodies do and are capable of and it's like there's a reverence there there's more of a respect you know, and, and a gratitude, and we rob them of that opportunity. And even you know, young women are go are terrified to give birth. To like, I, I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do. I have women come to me all the time say, "I really want to have a baby, but I'm terrified to give birth." Because see, we see all these stupid depictions of it in, in, you know, mainstream media where it's like, oh, like all of a sudden, like the water breaks and everyone's screaming. Like they like throw her into the car and the guy's like, you know, cutting everybody off and she's screaming her head off in the car. And then it's like she's on her back in this stupid gown that they make you wear. And, you know, like, like oh, God, it's like that doesn't need to be like this. How many, how many,
0: kids, how many kids have you uh, produced?
1: I have four, and I oh, had wow. one in the hospital. Yeah. I had two at well, I had three at home. The first two, one was with my midwife, who I ended up working for. The second one, the midwife got there too late, so it was my ex husband actually um, helped me deliver the baby. And um, well, I delivered her, but he helped catch her and got <laughs> her up. <laughs> That's another thing I don't like, you know, only mothers deliver their babies. No one delivers a baby for a woman. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um And then the last one, actually, he was asleep and I like couldn't get him to wake up. And I was like, you know what, forget it. So I like me and my cat went in. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Well, you took your cat like, to
0: the OB. well,
1: no, like, he used to always hang out with me and I'd take a bath. He's like a water kitty, you know, and he was like playing the water. And I still have like a little video of it. And he sat with me and I just sat and I just... Oh. walked back and forth and then all of a and sudden i like reached down yeah and i pulled her right <laughs> i pulled her out and then i like came out and i like tapped him i was like hey and he was like looked up and i was like i had her <laughs> he was like oh god i was like i tried waking you up <laughs> and i was like and it was fine i called my girlfriend to help me with the placenta i have
0: some really cool photos from it. what do you do with the what's your relationship to the placenta
1: um so the placenta is the organ it's the only organ that is shared between mother and baby it's like i don't know is it the babies or is it the moms you know yeah. and it's the it's actually the number one reason why women do die in childbirth um is from postpartum hemorrhage and oh. um So it's a big organ and it attaches to the side It embeds itself inside of your uterine wall. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And it called the tree of life because all the way that all the blood vessels look, look like a tree. It's really beautiful. Um, And it embeds itself in your uterine wall and it shares, it accesses the mother's blood source. And that's where all the nutrients, oxygen, and blood comes through to the baby. And then it goes through the umbilical cord, you know, umbilicus and then the baby it's, it's all encapsulated by the, um, you know, the bag of water, right? So, um, yeah, and that's like the next thing that you have to deliver. And is, that's another thing too, it's is like that the easy? immediate-
0: Is it easier to do the placenta?
1: Um, or... I mean, yeah, it is, but the more children you have, the more painful your like afterbirth contractions are. Oh, really? And it's like, you're just like, I don't want to do this again, you know? Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's it doesn't have any bones, it's so like floppy, it just, you know. Yeah but um
0: yeah and what yeah. about postpartum depression um have you experienced so, that or
1: yeah and i think postpartum depression has a lot to do with um messing with our hormones our our like i said our bodies are so beautifully constructed they're so beautifully constructed and they've been constructed across you know hundreds of thousands of years and and breastfeeding is a ma- major protectant against Uh, postpartum depression you know it simulates oxytocin serotonin um, and a lot of women who don't have the support they need to breastfeed I luckily did but it's also uh, the nuclearization of the family it's not normal it's not like I said when we were all living on farms, we needed to live collectively. I mean, it was such a big job, you know, so we had so many hands now with the rise of the industrial revolution, we had more income, we had more disposable income. We had more material wealth. We could we didn't have to live with our extended families. We could have a husband and a wife and a home with our kids. And and that's all wonderful, but it's really bad for moms. It's really bad for kids. It's really bad for husbands. I mean, it's bad for (laughs) men too. It's too much. You
0: know, so with that said, well, I mean, we can go into the trans activism, which is one thing, but that is just fighting decay. It's not establishing a return to some sort of values that are more in line with our natures and our needs as human beings. Um, Have you done any advocacy towards like family stuff yeah is that one direction that you've gone in you know or?
1: well so i work with you know when i was working with families and i'm not doing birth work right now because um you know i separated from my ex-husband and i really depended on him because i you know i'd be on call 24 hours a day i'd have to drop whatever i was doing i mean i've missed so many major holidays and stuff i would just have to get up and go so it's difficult for me to do that now um But I, you know, when I'm working with families, I I just really believe that like, if we can, it's hard, it's hard. You know, the most that I can really do is get mothers off to a good start, have them not be, you know, too many mothers are starting off motherhood being traumatized by their birth. Like that's their first entrance into motherhood is being traumatized by their birth, not being well supported, you know, and then just like, okay, you know, good job. See you later. Go home. You know, and you're just home alone with a baby. And you're like, what the, like, what is going on? You know, um, struggling to breastfeed and all that sort of stuff. It, it's, but it's such a huge complex
0: Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, thing. then returning back to, you said earlier that you didn't have support for breastfeeding. What, what I did. You did, okay.
1: Well, I did because I was so plugged in with other birth workers, uh, and other women. You know, what does generally that
0: support look like then? Just like, is there like uh, just understanding what's going on, or understanding like the psychology of it, or like the process? Is it not that intuitive, or is it?
1: It, you know, it's 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 psychological. So, so for my first time, I was breastfeeding it's getting around the fact that our breasts are not sexual and it's this like when I would have to leave the house, I was dreaded leaving the house because I'm like, God, if he wants to eat, what am I going to do? I to like pull my boob out. Like, is it going to be this whole thing? I remember I was out one time and I like found this little, like, ch- like uh bench somewhere. I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Like no one can see me. And I was like trying to cover up and it was all awkward. Yeah. And then I like, he kept pulling the cover off. I was like, "I right, well, no one can see me. Literally, like, two minutes later, some school let out, and it was, like, 50 million, like, teenage boys walking. There. I was like, oh, my God. I was, like, crying. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. I was like, God, kill me. <laughs> I was so stressed out, and I feel so bad for myself now because it's like, why did I feel that way? So then once I got it under control, then I like really didn't give a crap. Then I was a like, cavalier about it. I was like, just like pulling my b- anywhere. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? But it was good. And it's like huh. a lot of people would complain about, we, sh- you know, we also fought to, um, advocate so that we could share birth photos and breastfeeding photos on Facebook. We not used to not be able to share any of that. Okay, Now yeah. you can share a lot of it. And the whole point was we don't get women, don't grow up seeing this stuff anymore. Kids don't grow up seeing this stuff anymore. It's important that they see that this is normal. Yeah, It's important that they know what this looks like, that it's okay. You know, and I would make a point to go, if I saw another mom like struggling, I'd make a point to like sit near her and breastfeed and be like, it's okay. Like we got this, we can do this. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Huh. It's hard. I've had, I've literally had, um, moms call me crying saying that they ended up having to give their babies a bottle because once you give a baby a bottle, you start to, the, the relationship starts to break down because the bottle's easier and it requires a different set of muscles for the baby to drink from a bottle than a breast. And once you start, they, they start not wanting the breast anymore because it's so much easier to get the milk out of a bottle. Yeah. It requires more work on their part, which is actually helps protect against obesity, too. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Oh. But she'd call me crying being like, my husband's ex-wife flipped out on us because I was breastfeeding in front of their older son. They had a 7-year-old son. So she was remarried to her and saying, you know, you're not going to, you know, be a pervert in front of my son, you know, if you're going to breastfeed, you need to go upstairs. Like basically, you know, saying that she was sexualizing her son.
0: Yeah.
1: By breastfeeding his little brother in front of him. Which it's like <sighs>
0: Uh, there's a lot going on in that story there's a lot going on in that story (laughs) there's a lot there it's
1: a transhumanism though but that's how this really also the work that I'm doing now is really you know going you know looking at this trans thing what you said is exactly right the trans thing is not so much the issue itself it's it's a symptom of the issue it's a symptom of our disconnect And, and you had brought up a really good point that I wanted to speak to talking about even with the abortion thing you know i i am i do support women's right to autonomy and i kind of think it's a little bit weird that the gop is like so against it because it's like aren't we supposed to be for like small government but i also understand when it's treated as birth control this is treated as birth control. not even just birth control but when it's just treated as like oh well you don't have to get pregnant so why would you ever you know we've given you all these options to not get pregnant and to you know destroy a pregnancy you know so if you choose it that's on you that was a choice that you made and that's selfish and now you need all these resources to raise a baby and we don't want to deal you know what I mean Mm. and it's also this idea that like we're not building families anymore we're just having these accidental pregnancies and then Mm. building something around it and it's usually flimsy and uh, there's just there's just so many issues and like you said when it's like we can almost opt out of our womanhood you know we used to have to be so much more protective of our bodies you know we used to i mean things like sex work things like you know promiscuity things like this sort of now hookup culture that's mm. exacerbated by like tinder and these you know real quick on demand mcdonald's type drive through dating where, you know, we can get sex so easily, you know, Um mm. and now we sort of equalized our bodies that it's like, oh, well, because, you know, it's fine because we don't have the same consequences anymore. We can now have a sexuality that rivals male sexuality, not realizing how much it still is hurting us, how much we're not men. We're not supposed to be like spreading our seed and having all types of just like random hookup sex and then when a pregnancy does happen it's there's just so many things that like our current state of technology is disrupting and it's causing this cascade into like hell for all of us
0: well where do you how do you prioritize resistance to that downward spiral
1: (sighs) yeah it's it's hard it's hard because like at first I was like, okay, well, so the reason why I chose to focus on, I started, you know, my YouTube channel to talk about the trans issue. And I thought that was gonna be like a pretty small, neat, really focused topic. And then I realized how huge it is Mm. because it literally does impact everything. Um, You know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to narrow it down because on the one hand, you know, like I said, I I love somebody who's in prison, so I really care about the prison issue. I understand, you know, the vulnerability of women in prison. I have children. I have two little girls who love to play sports. I, I'm working on a piece right now about the Fallon Fox and Alana McLaughlin thing. You have me all the way effed up if you think that you are going to be putting males in in my my girls play Brazilian do do Brazilian jiu jitsu and they're very good at it. They've been doing it since they're two years old. They can work together to take you down like it's crazy how good they are you have me all the way effed up if you think that I'm gonna sit idly by where you you know you're gonna put their lives and their ability to play what they love by by throwing males in you know that's why we went to Harrisburg in support of uh fairness in women's sport you know and shout out to uh Connie and and Jen uh you know Jennifer Thomas I mean they're doing a lot of great work in Pennsylvania so I was like let me focus on that but then it was like the two women at uh, edna mehan correctional facility were impregnated by trans identifying male and i frequently have um you know this person that i really care about call me from prison to tell me all about you know the policies related to trans identified males in his prison and so I really cared about that so now we're right now planning actually in early March and if anybody's on the East Coast and interested early March we're going to be doing a demonstration in Trenton in front of the Capitol building uh to just sort of protest the Edna correctional facility and give voice to those women who had been locked up with full-bodied males yeah. two were impregnated and not only were they impregnated they're they're uh telling that you know all of the media outlets are saying it was a consensual act of sex and the, and the both the women were thrown in uh, administrative segregation they're thrown in the hole they're in um solitary confinement what early pregnant yes yes it, it is sick so they were raped and then thrown in solitary confinement for what? punishment yeah it's it's was sickening the, so was
0: the male uh- they locally. were
1: quietly yeah well he was put in the hole and then quietly transferred back to a men's prison with as minimal fanfare as possible you know and i and i say this to say my good friend had lived with me uh, for two years she actually just recently moved out to move in with her boyfriend but um she had been like locked up a few times for like petty things and she had told me a story one time that you know she used to be addicted to heroin and um, you know, so it was a lot of like drug-related whatever. And the women's part of the jail, the county jail, was like really overcrowded. So she was on a bottom bunk. They had another girl on one of those boats, like a cot, and they had a girl on the top bunk, a woman on the top bunk. She said one day they were like laying in bed and all of a sudden she felt this like shaking of the bunk. And she was like, yo, knock it off. And but then she kept doing it, and she stood up. She's like, "Yo, I told you. What are you doing?" She said, literally, as she stood up, the girl like rolled off. She's like, "What the?" It's like tried to catch her, fell like this. She said, instantly, knew she knew she died on impact. It was like it wasn't. She was like, "Oh my god!" And she they like looked at her, and the way that her head was, they were like knew that she was de- dead. Okay. And they were like, so they're like banging on the gate, like scream, like "God, help, help!" Like our our roommate. Turns out this first of all, this girl was. Uh withdrawing from from benzodiazepines, which causes seizure. We know causes seizures, and it's actually state protocol. You were never supposed to put them on top bunk if they're still withdrawing, detoxing from benzos. So that should have already been a lawsuit. Bang on the thing. The guard comes over, takes a look at the still like we think she's dead. We don't know what's wrong with her. Like we need help. Like look at her. Like she's not moving. She fell. Da, 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 da. Like totally upset. And then he's like, all right, I'm gonna get someone to come through. They waited three hours with a dead body on the floor till somebody came by to get her. I say that to say, in the case of the Edna Mahon Correctional Facility, we're talking about consensual sex, right? So you're putting the the male who impregnated at least one, if not both of the women was about six foot two, 200 some pounds, Looked just straight up looked like just a man, huge hands, big, broad shoulders, the one of the women who was impregnated was like five, five. You're in a small, tiny cell with this man. He's fully intact. He's about 30 years old. He's sexually frustrated. And he also has a history. He's in there for a homicide. He murdered his foster father, his foster father. And he's coming on to you and he wants to have sex with somebody. And he wants to have sex with you. So what are your options? What are you going to do? Hit the bell. We already know they come by. They don't care. They're not rushing to come help you. We know that. What are you going to do? Fight them off? You're five, five. Or option number three is you just grit, bear it, and get through it. You acquiesce. You try not to, like, you know, be too showy. You try not to do anything or change in front of him, anything that would turn him on. And when he comes on to you, you're just like, okay go, go. Fine. Yeah, sure. I'm into it too. Like, this is great. Please. You know, what else? What are you going to do? They don't care. They don't care. They're able to get away with so much stuff upstate, especially when you're upstate. At least at least in county jail, people are coming in and out all the time. It's easier to like go talk to, you know, people who are like, oh, guess what's happening. Da da, da, da. A lot of people who are there upstate are there for, you know, they got numbers. They're doing football numbers. They're doing 10, 15, 20 years, five years. There's not as much turnover so you don't have as much communication with the outside and they're monitoring your phone calls so you sit there and complain and we already know when you complain suddenly it's your 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 commissary isn't coming in suddenly oh you you need to clean sheets oh we sorry we ran out suddenly you start having a whole lot of problems i already know when you start calling and complaining so these women who had been there for years already already know what it is how are you going to say that's consent and I thought we cared about black women i thought we cared about hispanic women i thought we cared about criminal justice reform but i guess not
0: we care about the know? underdog and the underdog is that poor man so frustrated by his gender identity <laughs> that he had to take out his foster father or whatever i don't know not to be flippant yeah. but
1: yeah, no. And you know what? It's a shame, too. And it's, you know, it's really amazing that uh, it wasn't only once he was sentenced to what life, whatever, 20 to 40, starting to feel real gender dysphoric. Boy, boy I'll tell you, <laughs> like, uh, you know, now's the time I want to just come forward to everybody you know now that you've sentenced me i want to let you guys know i've really been struggling with my identity come on bro like the hell oh. <laughs> and everybody's like oh whoa oh well geez i guess we gotta send him to the women's present i'm like for sake you guys and i just oh, i don't know how we got here i don't know how many examples we need to have how many examples? We just did the, uh, when Kelly J. Keene came to Philly, we did a big Let Women Speak uh, event. And shout out to the Philadelphia police, they were great. Um, we had like sent them. Co- I went with Jen, Jen, Jennifer Thomas is like super hot, like she's like 50, like your super hot, like suburban mom type, you know, has like a really cool charger and always like dresses really nice. And she's like, Let me handle this. I'm like, Okay, <laughs> she's like, We're gonna bring cookies. She's like, Hot, huh? she's got like her Chicago mom accent too. She's like, Oh, yeah, thank you. As for how- oh, we're here with Let Women Speak. Yeah, no, we just want to say thank you. You know, these men, I mean, my God, they just come and just mess with us but we know you strong men are gonna help I was <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> she's so good I was like I'm just gonna let you speak every time she's so good at like getting them they're like oh of course ma'am yeah we'll do whatever we you know we'll, we'll do our best we'll we'll stand like I know you will boy you guys are just the best <laughs> so I was
0: like oh my god
1: But like, I it's feel like I stepped into
0: an episode of the real turfs of New Jersey or something
1: <laughs> I just had her I actually just spent a weekend, which was such a bizarre weekend. It was so weird and cool. They both spent the weekend with me, and I had like a bunch of my other friends over. Cause so I'm like, you have to meet these two women. And it was just such like a like a weird, interesting mix of like people. We were like just smoking pot and like hanging out all weekend. And like we did like one of Excellency's like live streams together. It was so surreal. I was like, this is awesome. We need like a house. <laughs> we totally need to have with like a confessional and stuff. <laughs>
0: So what's your uh, YouTube channel uh, about it generally?
1: Yeah, so it's a slightly twisted female. Yeah. And um, originally it was supposed to be about like women's sexuality and um, just female health and things like that. Until I realized I was like, oh, no, I, I need to deal with this. I thought I was going to do a couple videos on the whole trans thing. I was like, this is important. Let's talk. Let's start here. But I yeah. was like, the deeper I got into it, the more I was like, oh, God. There's so much to do. There's so much that we have gotta like. This is nuts.
0: Okay. So, so, so in order of priority with regard to that topic, it seems like you're fighting for women's rights specifically. Sports and prisons seem like top two. Sports issues.
1: prisons, but also the D trans. I mean, I had shapeshifter on my um uh. He's. Such a gorgeous human being. He really is. I remember watching his thing. He cried. He's just so good, so honest and raw and just emotional. And I'm like, how do we do? I love, I and mean, this isn't just about women, too. I have two little sons, I have two boys. I love men. I love the men in my life. I, I-, I would die for my sons, you know? And I originally actually, so I was diagnosed with cancer in 2021, April of 2021. And I was like being told all this like scary stuff before I started active treatment. So I was like, you know what? I want to start a YouTube channel to leave like a record of my voice for my kids. Because yeah. I just watched a girlfriend have very similar diagnosis to me that we all thought was going to be fine. Uh, and she ended up dying within two years. So I was like, let me just my kids are young you know what i mean they wouldn't remember everything about me let me leave like a record of my voice things that i care about that like i think are important um i am in mean, doing better now with my cancer like yeah. you know thankfully but um i just there's yeah i mean you know joshua moon who founded kiwi farms i think said it best he has a, a podcast called mad at the internet it's on odyssey it's really good um but he was like this whole trans thing is just a rat King, you know, it's a rat King. It's there's so many convergent interests. And so many people that see this, the the trans thing is a useful idiot, right? It's just this, like, it happens to be very, very useful, you know, and there's so many, (sighs) well, like I said, it's a rat King, like the way that, you know, Joshua moon says it's a rat King. So, all right. On the one hand, the way that you know he puts it that I, I agree with um it's a way to start clamping down on like speech on the internet so if we can you know uh surrender our you know our, we, we allow censorship because it's like oh well we want to stem bullying so of course we want to allow them to you know delete channels and you know get people get the hate off of Twitter you know of course allow them to do that give them that right you know and they're like great now we can really like start to control what people are allowed to say you know what I mean it's sort of like during COVID we allowed them to suspend the United States Constitution and rule 600 right to a speedy trial like that's a constitutionally protected right that we actually suspended on the you know if we can scare people enough if we can make them feel like this is such a critical thing then they'll hand over their rights course and then it's also you know the medical industry that wants to trailblaze some new way to make you know money i mean look you have lifelong medical patients you're creating if you can get them early get them on puberty blockers by 10
0: yeah.
1: srs by 20 something i mean yeah it's there's so many different things. There's so many different interests in this, you know, yeah. Yeah. people making money off uh, social media by showing their transitions and stuff like that. So
0: You could it's do bad. a breastfeeding channel. I'm sure there, there's an yeah. audience for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm not breastfeeding anymore. My kids no. are too old. You're done. You're good. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. I, I did wow. my
0: dues. Yeah. Four kids though. That's, that's a commitment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy, it's it's interesting too, as my oldest son um, is telling me more, I'm like learning more about the state. I actually, so I got on the parent-teacher association for my younger kids, the elementary school, and then I got on for the middle school too. And so now for the middle school, they had offered me a position as like the liaison for the school board for the parent-teacher association. And I was like, I'll take it. Hmm. <laughs> so now i have like you know but he came home on his first day in middle school he said i was like how is it that he's like you know it's so interesting like weird he's like it's really popular it's really trendy to be like lgbtq plus i just you know they have like it's just really like seems like that's the thing and i was like interesting And I don't talk about this stuff with my kids. You know, I keep them very like, well, I've actually, now that he's gotten older, I like let him watch this one video compilation I did of D-trans people talking about their experiences. And he was like, yeah, this is awful, (laughs) but, it's just ubiquitous now. Yeah, it's ubiquitous.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, the the uh, stats on Gen Z, I think, like thirty percent of them or twenty percent of them are in this nefarious category of coolness or spicy straightness or whatever you know. And
1: yeah, actual. all all sexualities are valid unless you're super straight, in which case you're like a hate group. <laughs> 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 oh um, my
0: god I, I'm sorry I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap up in about 10 minutes or so yeah that's, I have um, a question this might be improper but I'm just curious I can't peg your class like it seems like you, you have a your bandwidth of class goes It, it, it you go because you, you have connections with the sorry the criminal class right <laughs> but then you're like this jet-setting college educated highly informed medical kind of yeah class so i you... know
1: i get that a lot i people are like i figured it out like you're white trash that's what it is well, i was you...
0: like yeah you got me <laughs>
1: oh, <I was laughs> had someone say that to me they're like ah, i knew it i was like oh my god you got me you're so right now like my my boyfriend grew up he was like literally from like the crack era his mom was addicted to crack he was uh you know, I mean, we've been together for like five years now, but he's um, so it's not like <laughs> but he's uh, he grew up in North Philadelphia, grew up in the Philadelphia foster care system. By the time he was like 12, was like working for drug dealers in the area. And that's very common with like children who don't have family there. They get kind of sucked into that drug trade and used for all these horrible things. And that sort of you know kicked off his whole. i don't know i yeah, just yeah. um yeah. i don't know i like people i like you know i speak spanish so i i don't know i just like interacting with a lot of and different what about
0: did you grow up
1: uh so i grew up in the greater philadelphia area
0: okay philadelphia okay
1: yeah yeah you know and, and philadelphia is such an interesting crazy city it's dangerous but i love it i've been to i've lived in many cities philadelphia is still one of my favorites huh. it's a very complex city um but it's so rich it's just it's crazy mm. though it's sad what's going on it's really bad though right now yeah
0: did you guys just gonna do it was crazy oh really okay is this where the bad. F- i'm really bad i'm so stupid is this where the fetterman guy is from yeah okay
1: yeah yeah <laughs> Which you know, I, I, he—the one thing that I do like about him is um,
0: his aesthetic. S- so he was voted excited. like one of the ten most fashionable uh, Congress people.
1: <laughs> Why? Because he wears like like have... hoodie hoodie tracksuits. He wears like gar- all gray, tra- gar- tra- <gasps> like <gasps> he wears like he wears like prison attire, doesn't he? That's like what my boyfriend has to wear. He wears, I, think, like, he, I think it's kind of just pants. the aesthetic
0: there. It's kind of worker yeah. worker type.
1: Yeah. I, mean, hey, yeah, I guess I don't, I don't that's know. what's up. I oh well, he's doing well
0: for himself. So well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> probably be running with Kamala Harris for the uh, for oh, Joe Biden uh, seat. I wouldn't, I wouldn't win. put it past them. But um, so what's what's I... what's going on in your future for your channel? What what you you're gonna have a demonstration in March? You said
1: yeah so I I kind of do I like straddle between street activism like boots on the ground I've yeah. gotten more you know it was like I said shout out to um you know Connie asena and Han on Twitter she's at C N N H A H N so plug for her she's amazing she was the first person who like found my channel I was like oh you're in pennsylvania we've got to get you and then also um jennifer thomas and she's at uh let's see rev fem Revfemgen, r-e-v-f-e-m-j-e-n-n or one N, but follow them they're great and anybody who's in you know uh The Northeast, who's anywhere near Philadelphia, once again involved in street activism, boots on the ground stuff in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Harrisburg, Pittsburgh those are some great people to follow. They kind of pulled me in. So it's just a mix between, you know, but like I said, I have a um, background in video editing. I'm, I edit everything off of my phone on like a free oh, software. Wow. So it's kind of crappy. It could be better. <laughs> um, I'm able to make do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. complains about the audio levels. Apologies.
0: Uh, yeah. Audio is um, very important. So yeah. Might, might I just do. I
1: just do. It. I like, you know, I, I sometimes i'll do like news stories like redux i'll follow redux and sometimes i'll just do um you know like portraits like dylan mulvaney i did a jeffrey marsh one um i did one of buck angel a few other people so you know stuff like that
0: yeah and and what what's going to be uh the topics going forward for your youtube Children.
1: Yeah. So I'm right now. Like I said, I'm working on a piece about Alana McLaughlin and um, Fallon Fox. So they are two military trained men who were the first openly trans identifying transgender trans identifying males in MMA. Fallon Fox um, broke his opponent. Tamika Brent's broke her school in the first two minutes which should have put an end to men competing against women then but didn't for a host of reasons that I hope to explore and then Alana McLaughlin who was a former Green Beret which is like an elite military I mean that's one of like the most elite force special forces that we have in you know American military and is competing against women it's just dangerous it's it's very dangerous i think i it's, saw
0: some photos of that second person uh like, choking he has, like out. pink hair.
1: yeah 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 and he smiling. was actually really hot when he was like looked like a man <laughs> i was like what are you doing but like <laughs> i was like why <laughs> like come on <laughs> uh, he
0: wants to look hot for himself there's yeah, a bunch yeah. of psychology going on in there <laughs> like a whole lot yeah 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 it's and bad. so that that essay is going to be a video is that what you're saying here?
1: yeah so i'm going to do like you know i usually do a long video and then i break them up just so that it's phone? not okay long. yeah wow. i know it's a living okay. hell
0: yeah, don't why don't, know, don't you just like use my... your computer? Maybe we're talking on a phone right now?
1: So. Because I'm all, because I have four kids. I'm always like, I literally will be editing like oh, in grocery okay. shopping. Oh, like wow. I'm literally editing everywhere. Like I'll edit in like the car line of like picking my kids up, you know what I mean? It's the only way I can have it. <laughs> Everyone's like, people have accused me of like, oh, you must not, you, like pay attention to your kids. I'm like, I can assure you, all my kids are very high functional, very high performing <laughs> kids. They're, they're in above math, I'll have you know. I'm Girl, and the carols do jujitsu and they like beat people up. so i just do it that's why i just have to do it off my phone i get you so I get you. yeah
0: brit you are you were a comet coming out of nowhere i did not expect this uh, uh the amount of uh passion that just you have a lunatic.
1: For... just a little bit of a lunatic yeah. that's all you
0: know i i enjoy that i you know, breaks the mold and, 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 and ju- injects a lot of uh energy into the conversation which is yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm You're sure very it's calming in, in very to. at least entertaining thank you i i've cultivated that um i keep all of my anxiety very very <laughs> here, just off frame right here just mine.
1: let it explode on friday yeah. night and yeah, bring it back <laughs> i like like the starry background i feel like you know <laughs> very trippy <laughs> i love it yeah. but, well, well it was, i really appreciate you having yeah it's great on.
0: to meet you um so your video i'll link all the links in the linky place below the video or the podcast uh your Twitter, YouTube. what's your Twitter? Are you on Twitter? What's so,
1: your- yes, yeah. so what's my most recent Twitter? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was to yeah, say it's at ASTF, so slightly twisted female, the acronym. So, it's at ASTFXX, okay. and then I'm also on Instagram, although I'm like very limited who I accept on Instagram, but it's at slightly twisted female. So, if you want to follow me, just DM me i have like 300 follow requests so sorry so you're gonna have to
0: vet (laughs) these people
1: because i'm like because i I also do a lot of like micro blogging on my instagram i like tell more personal stories so i try to like you know i like to have a space where i can be more candid about my actual life but I like keep that more locked down
0: yeah 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 if
1: you're not a freak or a creep or somebody who's trying to like get info <laughs> on me to make some like hate video just like <laughs> i'll bet you <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but benjamin thank you i really appreciate thank you, you. and i appreciate fun. your work so much and I'm i like heard. your voice i feel very calm
0: there we go cool <laughs> so. it was a trade-off now i have a bunch yeah. of energy for the day
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right thank